0: Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. Roger Marsh here. Glad you've tuned in for this Super Tuesday. Uh, We will have California early voting is beginning. Colorado early voting is beginning by mail. We will not have a Bottom Line Show. uh, Roger's recommendations for Colorado for the primaries. We will have them for the general election. But the California general election, or primaries rather, are officially happening March the 5th. And I will have something to you by President's Day. I think it's very appropriate, since this is a presidential election year, to do something by President's Day. So we will. That'll be up at TheBottomLineShow.com. My recommendations on propositions, senatorial races, and a whole host of others. (laughs) In case you're wondering, some people are, Roger, you're an Angels fan. Would you ever vote for Steve Garvey for senator? Uh, the answer is yes, I would, absolutely. And I'll explain all of that next week when we roll out the Super Tuesday you know uh, edition of the bottom line show next week, Roger's recommendations for the primaries and uh, why I think it's important for us as Christians to register to vote and get out to vote. Now today on the program, we're going to take this first hour and we're going to focus on, well, we're going to focus on some of the uh, good news that we see happening in the culture right now, especially as it pertains to health um it's you know we've been an ongoing campaign for preborn, and i'm so very very grateful for the number of bottom line show listeners who have called in with contributions to uh pre over the past gosh year and a half now we recently just had another uptick in the number of folks who are uh supporting us and i want to before we go any further want to thank these uh fine folks who've been donating uh, anthony and san jose called in a 140 forty dollar donation this past weekend uh, via the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, also Lewis who listens in Las Vegas. Lewis put in a two hundred eighty dollars. Uh, what the donation is for? A, let's see. It looks like it's for uh, twenty eight dollars a month for an entire year. So Lewis, thank you. It's ongoing. And also Jerry who called in from Torrance with a two hundred fifty dollar donation. Thank you, Jerry, for uh, bringing all that in, bringing all of the uh, the the gathering into the storehouse. Just is so encouraging to see um, how many believers who listen to the bottom line show obviously who are believers um, are you know really putting their money where their mouth is and I, I'm so grateful that you have done that and chosen to do so thank you for uh, the support that you have shown the bottom line shows pre-born campaign over the years at the end of today's program I'm going to share with you a very special opportunity that we have courtesy of our friends at pre-born that are uh, you know that it's, it's definitely something that I think you want to be a part of Now, speaking of money and speaking of pregnancy resource centers, one of the things that we don't like about the People's Republic of California is unlike other states, it's amazing how many states will say, okay, we're going to provide support," what they call it, abortion care. And yet there are organizations that they also support that are on the sanctity of human life side of the equation. When you look at what happens in states like Texas, for example, um, it's amazing to me how many states, uh, Arkansas is another one that actually give you the opportunity to, uh, if you want to put your money where your mouth is with regard to the sanctity of human life, you can, you don't have to worry about, uh, your money going to support an abortion clinic if you don't want it to, because it'll go to a, a, a pregnancy resource center instead. And how absolutely cool is that? Well, the state of Arkansas has has really put everyone on notice with regard to their latest uh, foray into this uh, venture. There's a brand new program that is offering up a whole slew of uh, funding opportunities for people who are looking to support the sanctity of human life. And recently they awarded $500,000 to pro-life pregnancy centers. Basically, they're offering a million dollars in state-funded grants for these pregnancy centers, maternity homes, adoption agencies, et cetera, et cetera. Back in, uh, well, last, it was last year when uh, Act 622, which was proposed by uh, State Senator Scott Flippo and uh, also uh, Representative Lane Jean, they authorized a million dollars in state funds and these grants for these pregnancy resource centers. So in December, the lawmakers cast a procedural vote. By the way, it passed overwhelmingly in the state center. And the measure also contained language that would clarify that the grant funding cannot go to abortion clinics. It has to go to pregnancy resource centers. And so uh, initially, back in uh, January, the state awarded I'm not quite sure how they figured out that number, but that was divvied up between 26 different pregnancy resource centers, and then the rest of the million dollar funding will be distributed between now and the end of the state's fiscal year on June the 30th. Now, Arkansas has taken, it's one of the states that has in fact taken the, uh, I think, the rather radical and necessary step to prohibit abortion anywhere except for the fact that if a woman comes with a medical emergency, her life is at risk, and uh, the, uh, the doctors determine the only way to save her life would be to end the pregnancy, then that is, in fact, uh, you know a reality. But here's the good news when you hear that. I mean, I, it's frustrating to hear people in the medical community say, well, we still have to do the rape and incest, and this, that, and the other thing. The Arkansas bill, the way I understand it, The only abortions that are permitted in Arkansas are to save the life of the mother, number one. Number two, medical technology has advanced so much over the past 30, 40 years that those instances are extremely rare. Even the Charlotte Lozier Institute, very, very pro-life organization, but they break down the middle in terms of getting the facts to us with regard to abortion and termination of pregnancy and adoption, things like that. They acknowledge that about 2% of the abortions that take place in the United States are because the woman's health, mom's health, isn't at risk. But as there are more options with uh, cesarean sections and uh, neonatal ICU care and things of that nature, the the opportunity to say, look, let's just take the child early and both mother and child can be, you know, tended to, you don't have to kill the kid in the womb. Informed Choices Center... Uh, it, of the Oz, uh, get a thirty-five thousand dollar grant. New Life Beginnings Pregnancy Center, another twenty-three thousand. The list goes on from here. We'll post the list at bottomlineshow.com. But the name of the game here is: some of these are pregnancy resource centers, some of these are adoption agencies, some of these have a faith-based component, some of them don't. But twenty-six agencies received grant money from the state of Arkansas to continue. Now, your donations to preborn help preborn clinics continue. So, we, we're not Arkansas. We don't have the state funding. That's why your gift is so important. 833 850 BABY is the number to call. 833 850 2229. Or go online to kbrightradio.com. Click on the banner for preborn and make your best donation today. $28 will save one life. Um, $280 will save 10. And a $15,000 donation will make it possible for an expectant mom to uh, get an ultrasound every day for 250 days a year for 10 years. Really incredible. But good on you, Arkansas, for doing what they're doing. Um, on the other side of this break, special guests joining us to talk about more medical good news. A comprehensive review of patients who are battling cancer found that if you take aspirin daily, you'll have a relatively lower risk of developing various types of cancer. Metastatic cancer will stop and mortality will be reduced by 21%. Is that, in fact, possible? Well, we're going to ask our own medical resident expert, uh, Dr. Kaylee Marsh-Zapanta, a doctor daughter, as we like to call her here. Um, who She is my daughter, Kaylee, and she recently finished her PhD in clinical, uh, excuse me, in biokinesiology. We're going to get into this whole conversation of is it possible to take an aspirin a day to stop the spread of cancer? We'll get into that with Kaylee. By the way, you can find her at drdigestionphd.com. And we do have copies of her Gut Microbiome Gut Health ebook that we'll be giving away this hour. We've got five of them, not one, not two, not three, but four, but five. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line, Dr. Kaylee marsh Sapanta Joining me next as the bottom line continues.
1: Personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law will fight for justice on your behalf. She has to fight because no insurance company will willingly pay what you've lost after an accident. When you're in an accident, you take legal action simply to be restored to where you were prior to your injuries. Money may be needed for medical treatment, financial restitution for lost time at work, or any other thing that you've lost as a direct result of the injury. Stephanie's desire is for justice, to find what was taken from you due to your injury and have it restored for you. Stephanie will become your advocate, passionately helping you make sure that your doctor's appointments are productive, the insurance companies are being honest, and she'll make those calls that you don't have time for. Go with K Bright's trusted personal injury attorney who will help make you whole again. Stephanie Cover at kbrightradiocom slash C-O-V-E-R and get back to your life.
0: Well, today here on The Bottom Line, a special guest. We now have a health and medical expert for The Bottom Line show, and I'm really excited about that because she is Dr. Kaylee Marsh-Zapanta, who is our our resident expert on all things medical, well, at least as it pertains to uh, her field of expertise, which is uh, biokinesiology. Kaylee has a PhD from the University of Southern California in the field. And we've had conversations about her work on Parkinson's research and things of that matter. But what many people don't realize is that uh, before that, she also was kind of wandering down the road of studying oncology. And today here on the Bottom Line Show, we're going to talk about an exciting new study that uh, if you know somebody who's wrestling with cancer, this could be the type of uh, breakthrough they're looking for. Dr. Kaylee Zapanta, welcome back to the Bottom Line Show.
2: Thank you for having me again.
0: Had been doctor daughter of course. That I think some people really appreciate that. It's nice to have smart kids and be able to just you know call them up and say, "Hey, I just found this great report. You want to talk about it?" And they go, "Yeah, really exciting." Um, Studying the Epic Times, the Epic Health section of the Epic Times, uh, taking a look at aspirin and looking at aspirin as an inhibitor for the spread of uh, carcinogens, cancer, things of that nature, and that a low dose of aspirin every day. Would actually prolong the life of someone who was dealing with uh, metastatic cancer of some sort. Uh, Kaylee, you read the article. I mean, this is a, it's a, cancer is a huge issue. And I know that you had some history in, in studying it too. Uh, first impact when you see a headline like this, it sounds too good to be true. So let me so ask the first question Is this too good to be true that taking a low dose aspirin every day could actually help someone who's battling cancer live longer?
2: Yeah, I think uh, as a scientist, that's my first. Uh response to any article like this is, is it too good to be true? Just because I'm skeptical by nature, sure. uh, which I think is is a good thing in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that aspirin has been long utilized for helping with heart issues for helping with, I know that, you know, you have experience with this. There's mm-hmm. lots of people out there whose doctors say, oh yeah, take a baby aspirin and it's going to help reduce your risk of heart disease and things like that. Um, I think that it kind of If you're familiar with aspirin helping with heart related issues, then you probably read an article like this and say, well, why, how could it help with cancer if it's like a heart issue situation? Um, And I think that it's important to understand the how and the why, um, because it is promising to know that, oh, if I take a, a low dose of aspirin every day, that uh, it's not necessarily going to help if I already have metastatic breast cancer, for instance. But if I am trying to avoid it, um, or let's say you know you had it and you're in remission and you want to prevent it from happening again, then taking a low dose of aspirin every single day is a pretty low-hanging fruit in terms of things that you can do to reduce your risk. Um, but I think that in terms of the how—that's um, kind of what what made me curious when um, I read this article—is you know, well, well, how? Like, what's the mechanism? What is what is the the rationale for why this um, is the case?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and we'll put the, we've got the article up at the bottomlineshow.com It has lots of hot links, of course. If you see all those things that are underlined, and you take a look at the article, you realize that Tamara may post one article up, but it's got five or six different, you know, sub references that you can look at. And we're looking at one study in particular that came out last November, Uh, researchers at Cardiff University in Wales published a report by the in the British Journal of Cancer uh, outlining aspirin's uh, potential to reduce cancer mortality. And I think that's the thing that that really struck us both is there the, the sample size was massive, first and yeah. foremost. Secondly, there are lots of cancer patients, and it's one of the leading causes of death. I mean, one according to, to statistics, they say one out of every six reported deaths are attributed to some kind of cancer. So it's a, it's a big deal. But I was impressed, Kaylee, with the number of people that they looked at, you know, and the fact that this yes. wasn't just, you know, oftentimes, I'm sure you've seen this research too. Studies show, and then we, we interviewed 10 people, you know. Yes. <laughs> this is a huge sample size. Talk about why that's important that the length of time the size uh, really gives us a better view of what this study is all about.
2: Yes, that's typically where my skepticism comes into play when I read an article like this, especially if it's what we call a secondary article, where mm-hmm. a primary article would be the actual research study that was conducted, which is really boring and really dense and and yeah. if you're not a scientist you're probably never going to read. Yeah, it's boring that. to me, watch- maybe not yeah. so much
0: to you, but you look at yeah. that stuff and go, "Ooh." Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, totally I get, get excited. That. Yeah. Um
2: but of course, you know, if you're translating something from a primary research article to something like on, you know, Epic Times or New York Times or whatever, Uh, the journal uh, article would be, then you kind of are playing a game of telephone. You run the risk of playing the game of telephone where, you know, if if you've ever played that game, it's like everyone's sitting in a circle and one person says a phrase to the person next to them in their ear and then the person says that phrase or what they think that phrase is to the person next to them and so on and so forth. And by the time it gets to the last person, then it's a completely different phrase so it's it's really i always tell people to proceed with caution when they read these types of articles because it'll say it'll have this really audacious headline like you know aspirin prevents cancer um to me when i when i hear the term prevents cancer well, nothing prevents cancer. Nothing prevents exactly. anything. So, right. I'm, my my uh, skepticism ears are already kind of peaked because I'm thinking, okay, that's probably not going to be the case. Um, so, you always want to dig deeper and look at the actual article. But when we did, you know, of course, this is a really robust research article, meaning that. There were lots of people that they tested. As you said, it wasn't just that they surveyed ten people and, and said, "Have you taken aspirin?" You know, and they said yes. <laughs> right. Then that, that it it was a very rigorous study, um, which is promising. I think that it's really promising, um, and it makes sense given you know what aspirin does and the benefits that it could have on the body for sure. Talk,
0: talking with Dr. Kaylee Zapanta today here on the Bottom Line. Dr. Kaylee Marsh Zapanta is a, a, a I, I want to say a clinical expert, but I mean she's it's, it's, it's a moving target, right? I mean they keep moving the goalposts when you're doing research because you might have something completely nailed, and the science is never settled, but she is in constant pursuit of uh, looking at uh, research studies as it pertains to Parkinson's and gut microbiome issues. This article today that we're talking about in the Epic Times is uh, quoting a study that was published in the British Journal of Cancer that indicates that they've got some new research on how taking a low dose of aspirin, once someone has been diagnosed with and probably even treated for cancer, would actually prolong their life. And uh, one of the studies uh, indicated, like, for example, with people dealing with pancreatic cancer, that if they, they had a group of people who had pancreatic cancer, were treated for it, then took a low dose of aspirin. Then another control group, which is all that's music to my ears, always the control group, you know, (laughs) how are we testing this? Right. You know, yes. And the control group didn't take the aspirin. And so they looked in over a three year uh, period. They found that in that in the uh, in the the main testing group, the people who took the low dose of aspirin uh, had a survival rate of 61 percent and the same group of people who didn't take the aspirin only had a survival rate of 26.3%. Does that sound somewhat accurate? Was this an anomaly, Dr. Kaylee marsh Saponta? What, what does your researcher's ear tell you when you hear a statistic like that?
2: Yeah, I, I think that that's a pretty moderate, um, you know, we we use the term effect size, which is just what what kind of effect does the study have on the population, So, or at, at the population at whole, right? Because you have the sample, um, and if you know, within that sample of a hundred people or a thousand people or however many people were tested um, within that sample, if you saw significant differences, that's one thing, but how can you translate that to the entire population? Um, Mm -hmm. So those percentages translate pretty well to the general population. I think it's safe to say that um, it probably wouldn't hurt you to take aspirin. Um, And it makes sense, um, again, given, you know, the mechanism of, of aspirin, essentially just its ability to reduce inflammation, to sort of clear out all of the gunky dead damaged cells, um, Mm -hmm. which cancer kind of is kind of opportunistic in that sense where it'll take, you know, certain damaged cells or inflammatory cells that we've got anywhere in our body. And it'll say, oh, cool, I can use this cell to, you know, sort of become a cancer cell and proliferate and cause all these problems. So if aspirin can help to clear out those cells before the cancer genes get to it and sort of manipulate it in, you know, the wrong way, then that's obviously a really positive thing.
0: And I, I should point out, as you're describing this, uh, this is what it sounds like to me, the non-scientific year. And remember, your father got a D in chemistry. So the fact that you have a PhD in a science is, is somewhat remarkable and good for you and yay God. But uh, the, the idea that as you're talking about this here, uh, the point I wanted to drive home with our listeners is this is a zero-sum game here. I mean, it, you're either going to get better or worse. It's not like yeah. you can just kind of stay neutral. You need to be doing something because like you said, if the cancer is looking for a place to host, if you will, and take mm-hmm. over, if you're moving all those lousy cells out, then you have a much better chance obviously of not getting cancer or, or not going into metastatic state. And, uh, and and I appreciate the way you explained that because even your layman father. So I did get a C in biology. I, I was okay with well, biology. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Now, my best class in college was air and water pollution, but that's just because the lead singer from Undercover was also in my class. That's a whole different conversation. Dr. Kaylee Mark Safonte is with us today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about cancer research and a fascinating new study in the British Journal of Cancer that indicates that if you are a cancer patient, you've gone through treatment, and now you're looking to improve the quality of your health in survival mode afterwards taking one low dose aspirin anywhere from 78 to 81 milligrams every day can reduce the will extend your life, basically. I mean, it's not going to reduce mortality because we all have 100% mortality, but it's actually going to prolong your life by as much as 21%. And we'll put this article up at the thebottomlineshow.com. Now, obviously, taking an aspirin is a, a good tip for if you've got heart issues. I take two every day because of my heart surgery coming up on the sixth anniversary of that. On the other side of this break, I'd like to talk with Gailey about the uh, other things that we can do. I mean, things that you could do if you've not been impacted by cancer, but we know a lot of people who have been what kind of diet and exercise regimen would be complementary to somebody who had cancer diagnosis and got treatment, and now they're looking for ways to kind of recover. We'll get into that with Dr. Kaylee marsh Sapanta coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. I can't say enough about pre-born and I'm gonna keep talking about them because I love what this organization stands for. Basically, what they stand for is the truth. The truth and the science. The truth and the science and being honest about the situation that a woman is facing when she is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know this is a problem within the church? Sixty percent of the women who have abortions in the United States do so after already having given birth at least once. Fifty-four percent of the women who have abortions in the United States are church going women. If not Bible-believing born-again Christians. So what does that say? It tells me that we in the church need to do a better job of educating people as to what's really going on when a woman tests positive for pregnancy, as they say. Go to a pre-born clinic, they'll do the pregnancy test, then they will do an ultrasound. And the ultrasound technology will show you the pictures of the child in the womb, and then they'll tell you the three options, not the two that the abortion clinics. Abortion clinics say either you're gonna be a parent that's gonna be expensive and ruin your life, just have an abortion. The third option is adoption, and preborn recommends adoption every single time a woman comes in with an unplanned pregnancy. 85% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and have the ultrasound choose life for their baby. You can help in this effort. Make your one time donation to preborn today. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the preborn banner. Welcome back to this Super Tuesday edition of The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. As politicians try to keep playing politics with our health, we are getting a good look at what it really means to be heart healthy and gut health healthy. Dr. Kaylee Marciapanta is my guest today here on The Bottom Line in studio. And we're talking about this brand new report that indicates that 21, there's a 20% reduction in mortality rates of people with metastatic forms of cancer if they take one low dose aspirin each and every day. Uh, Kaylee's got some great insights on this she did her doctoral study on Parkinson's disease but also on on oncology and how gut microbiomes gut health and digestion and exercise can really help improve cancer patients and Parkinson's patients as they're going through treatment we have not one not two not three not four but five copies of her online book it's an e-book called gut health guide Um, what's Dr. Digestion PhD's gut health guide learn science-based tricks and tips to improve your digestion and gut health. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line on the other side of this break. Our conversation continues with Dr. Kaylee marsh Sapanta in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Well, welcome to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show, or I should say welcome back if you've been listening to the first half hour. I'm Roger Marsh, and today on the program, we're taking a look at your gut health, yet again, Dr. Kaylee Marsh-Zapanta. My daughter Kaylee is in studio with us. We're talking about a fantastic, uh, interesting article uh, that we found out with our friends at the Epic Times about how metastatic cancer spread is inhibited by taking aspirin. And so I thought, okay, let's get in here. Let's have a conversation about what really goes on in your gut when you're taking something like an aspirin a day. We have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five copies of her ebook called Dr. Digestion PhD's Gut Health Guide. Learn science-based tricks and tips to improve your digestion and gut health. The link for the book, by the way, is up at thebottomlineshow.com if you'd like to buy it. But since we have five copies of the ebook available to give away, why not just call in and win one right now? 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. All right, let's get back into it now. Part two of my conversation with Dr. Kaylee marsh Safanta on whether or not aspirin could actually inhibit the spread of cancer Uh, right now on today's edition of The Bottom Line. Dr. Kaylee marsh Safanta is with us today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, and I'm going to tease Kaylee a little bit here. The last time she was in studio with us, she brought a guest and didn't tell me. And the next night we all went out to dinner and then she told me, and that guest is, how far along now, sweetheart, are you?
2: 31 weeks. <laughs>
0: 31 weeks, right. The granddaughter, uh, the number six grandchild for Lisa and me, but uh, granddaughter here, number one daughter for Kaylee and Kevin uh, do right after Easter. And we are absolutely thrilled. You can't see her baby bump, but I'm sure if you follow her on social media, do you have baby bump pictures at Dr. Digestion PhD and you're where we find you on socials?
2: Yes, I mostly post on Instagram these days, uh, but I've been sharing my journey. um, And, you know, as we're going to talk about, I'm a big exercise and diet geek. So I've been posting all of my exercises that are pregnancy friendly. And you can see my bump there.
0: Yes. Okay. but it's a wonderful bump. And uh, Natalie's a healthy little girl. And we're just so thrilled and praising God for this blessing for Kay and for Kevin. Uh, Exercise, I know, is at the heart of both of your guys' lives and ministries. And we've talked ad nauseum over the years as you've been going through grad school about the fact we've, we're talking about this new article here in the Epic Times about how aspirin can inhibit the spread of metastatic cancer, and that can reduce mortality rates by as much as 21%. Obviously, we all know we have a born date and an expiration date, but in terms of improving the quality of your life. But I'm inspired every time I see one of those videos where you're deadlifting more with a baby in your belly than I am lifting right now in terms <laughs> of that. But I know that that's something that's been a passion of yours and Kevin's, is the fact that when you see people who you know get the, the dreaded you know C diagnosis, that you don't have to literally take it lying down. You can be up and be active, and that's actually beneficial. Talk talk about what exercise does to, for someone who has maybe had been diagnosed with cancer, maybe they've had a surgical procedure to remove said mass or whatever it is, and now they're looking to recover from it.
2: Yeah, definitely. So uh, I've seen it. I My master's was actually in... Um, we, we studied uh, or we looked at exercise in breast and prostate cancer survivors. So it was people who had gone through treatment, who were experiencing some negative side effects to the treatment, things like obesity and heart disease and diabetes. And of course, we know that exercise can help with all of those things. Uh, but we also uh, tested people who were going through chemotherapy and they did exercise at the same time, which as you can imagine, is probably not the easiest thing to do, right. to go to chemo on Monday and then come and do an exercise session on Tuesday. Right. Um, but they did it and it was very inspiring and the results were pretty phenomenal. Um, I think that, you know, when it comes to cancer, um, it, it's kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back, right? We have cells in our body that are constantly, um, you know, being damaged and then regenerated and, and repaired. Sometimes it's being, um, you know, some of those damaged cells are being Sort of like quote unquote eaten away by other immune cells to sort of get rid of the bad stuff and kind of recycle out um, some of the things that we don't need in our body. But the problem with um, you know one of the causes of cancer is when those cells start to accumulate and form tumors and and um, you know cancer genes kind of turn those healthy cells into cancer cells, which is obviously not what we want. Um, so that the main name of the game is to sort of work on creating an environment where you're constantly clearing out the bad stuff and you're increasing the good stuff. So the best way to increase the good stuff is obviously eat the right types of foods and, and right. you know, do all the things that we know we should be doing, drink water, have fiber, fruits and vegetables, healthy proteins, all of those things. Um, but then also get rid of the bad stuff. And a great way to get rid of all of these bad cells is through exercise. Because um, mm. exercise, you know, as, as, Anyone who has done any sort of exercise in the past knows your heart rate gets elevated. What that Mm -hmm. means is that there's more blood flow that's going at a quicker pace through your body. Um, You're getting oxygen and good stuff to the tissues that need it. And then you're also um, essentially sort of uh, speeding up that process of clearing out all of the bad gunk, as it were, in your body so that you can sort of prevent the bad gunk from building up and forming tumors and things like that. Um, Now, that's a very simplified way to describe it, but that's essentially what's happening.
0: Well, and you write about this at drdigestionphd.com, uh, drdigestionphd.com, where Kaylee has lots of blogs. She's got some video, other interviews that she's done with programs other than ours. And also, uh, you have an ebook as well that we've given, it's yes. been very popular with our listeners. Talk about what's in the ebook. It's kind of a Dr. Digestion's uh, Guide to Gut Health, is what we think about the things that we eat. I've never thought about exercise before as a way of cleaning out my system. I was thinking mm-hmm. of a way of building up muscle or, you know, uh, reducing stress, you know, improving, you know, cardiovascular, but I never thought about it cleaning out the system. Talk about how the food we eat, the way we exercise, will do su- such a thing so that even if you are battling cancer or you're starting to see the beginning of uh, you know Parkinson's or something like that, it doesn't have to be a, well, here's a pill, get comfortable, because that's that's your lot right now. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know that the name is misleading given our topic today, Dr. Digestion, but my PhD is actually in the microbiome um, and the gut microbiome. And so I, I got really interested in this sort of clearing out effect of exercise and realized that the intestines in our digestive system are one of the best, most powerful organ systems to clear things out. If you think about, you know, you eat food and regularly you should, you know,
0: Eliminate the waste. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's essentially
2: our body's detoxification system. So when you hear, you know, people doing these juice cleanses or detoxes, you don't really need to do those things. You just need to make sure that you're going to the bathroom regularly because that's our body's way of clearing out all of the toxic, bad stuff that shouldn't be in there. Um, and exercise is a great way to facilitate that process and make sure that we're quote unquote regular, um, so yeah I, I think that it's it's um it's just something that's really important to understand and and it's a difficult topic to understand so i got really interested in it and, and decided to kind of pursue that as my
0: as we're looking at this uh, article that's up at the bottom show.com from the british journal of cancer with regard to just taking a low dose aspirin for people who have had uh you know cancer surgery maybe they've had radiation and chemo uh, maybe they're in i'm hearing what is the term perhaps you know kaylee it doesn't come to mind right off the top of my head but there's a a movement I know in the oncology world where they're actually encouraging people once you get the diagnosis to kind of chill a little bit, just kind of mm. don't rush into treatment. I, they, 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 it's like a cognitive waiting or you know whatever it is. Are you familiar with that term? It's it's, it's like instead of something like forty percent of women who were diagnosed with breast cancer used to run off and do radiation and chemo and surgery, and now they're right. saying, hey, let's just kind of watch. Diet and exercise changes, let's see what happens with it. Is that becoming more common, the kind of hurry up and wait mentality versus the let's just zap it into oblivion and hope for the best?
2: Definitely. I think it depends on what stage you're diagnosed at. So if you were diagnosed at stage 0 or stage 1, those are obviously more, um, um, more manageable forms of cancer versus stages three, four, or metastatic cancer where it's starting to spread and it's a little bit more severe. It also depends on where you get cancer. So if you, if you get breast cancer and you're diagnosed with stage zero or one, that the kind of hurry up and wait mentality works because it's not as life-threatening as like stage four liver cancer, for instance. Right, right. Um, and and I think that that's a really good way to go about it because the treatments that, um that help to get rid of cancer like chemotherapy radiation immunotherapy they're very effective obviously and they're life-saving but they also do a number on your body they mm-hmm. they completely just eradicate your immune system and they they cause all these other issues down the line especially breast cancer um, if you have had breast cancer treatments you're at an increased risk of heart disease so it's kind of like you know, you're, you're trading one thing for the other. Um, and obviously, in the short term, you want to get rid of the cancer. But in the long term, you could develop heart disease. It's kind of like, okay, well, no matter what, yeah. you're going to get a life threatening disease. So exactly. if you can, it's kind of like with blood pressure, if someone, uh, this is a great example, I use a lot, if someone gets diagnosed with high blood pressure, but it's not life threatening, it's just sort of slightly elevated. You know, a lot of doctors will now recommend like, hey, before we start blood pressure medication right away, which is something that you're likely going to have to be on for the rest of your life. Why don't we try other things that we can, you know, that don't involve medication to see if we can have that reduce your blood pressure, like changes to your diet or maybe, you know, get a little bit more active or manage your stress. And if those things can help to lower your blood pressure, then there's no need to take the medication. And Mm. I think the same kind of goes for cancer too. It's like, we always just say, where's the pill? Give me the pill as quickly as possible so I can take it and get better. And that is definitely necessary in some cases, obviously, if you have like the flu or, you know, a bacterial infection, you know, take an antibiotic and take medications and things like that. But if it's a long-term, you know, disease process like heart disease or cancer or diabetes, then I think that sort of waiting a little bit, if, you know, of course your doctor says that it's safe to do so, waiting a little bit has its benefits for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, we were at the, uh, um, a couple of weeks ago, we were at the uh, memorial service for Dennis Wilson's daughter-in-law, Tila who is just a sweetheart and uh, would probably the driving force behind a lot of really successful projects at Wilson Financial Advisors. And Tila was diagnosed with breast cancer a few years ago, went through that same situation you described. And while they kind of went scorched earth in the breast area, some of it spread to lymph nodes and then eventually to her brain. And uh, she mm-hmm. there, there was not a whole lot left for her to... to to, to fight that, you know, the city of Hope did their best, but, uh, you know, God uh, brought her home at the age of 36. And I'm glad you talked about that part of it, where sometimes we get so focused on the right now, trying to cure this thing right now, that we don't think about the long-term ramifications. And the diet and exercise changes uh, sound like, I mean, obviously that's probably more in line with what God had in store for us. It sounds kind of risky, though. What do you tell somebody who says, hey, you were diagnosed with stage two breast cancer and we're going to remove you know, whatever mass is in there and then here's a diet and exercise plan, but we're not going to do radiation and chemo. Is the culture so ingrained now to think I have to do something like that or are you seeing more of a shift where oncologists, you know, just d- doctors in general, are more willing to say, hey, I read this great research from this uh, graduate student at USC. And uh, she has this fantastic online ebook that we're going to be giving away here later on the Bottom Line Show that talks about diet and exercise changes. Is the tide turning for the better in that regard?
2: I think so. And obviously, you know, it it depends on the person. I think the biggest thing to remember is that we all have agency in our health choices. So if a doctor gives you a diagnosis, you have the right to get a second opinion. I was going to say, that's Um, a
0: fancy way of saying you don't have to do what they tell you to.
2: Yeah, and I think it's hard when you get diagnosed with cancer because... Instantly, you go to yeah shock and catastrophic thoughts and all of that. Um, And I don't fault anyone for choosing to take medication right away. But I think, too, it's like you don't necessarily you can take a step back and pray about it. And, think, you know, what's the best decision for me? Get a second opinion. Talk to your loved ones. See if there's other things that you can do. And I think more doctors now are supportive of that. Um, I will say that there is sort of coercion, coercion. um, And also just our medical system is is so inundated with, um, you know, a lack of, time, really. Mm -hmm. So when you meet with a doctor, I've, I've been in the room many times when people have gotten diagnosed with cancer and their doctor spends five minutes with them Mm -hmm. and they come in and they say, Oh, you have prostate cancer. Here's the treatment. Okay. Bye. And you see the person's face. They're just, they go white and their, their wife is sitting with them and they're just like, they heard this really catastrophic news. And the doctor's Mm -hmm. like, so, you know, we'll see you next Tuesday for chemo. (laughs) And you kind of just start the ball rolling without really taking time to think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that it's, it's just important to understand all of your risks of taking medications, treatments, things like that. Um, What are the benefits? And then you kind of have to, you know, weigh the scales and see if it's worth it for you.
0: Yeah. Dr. Kaylee marsh Sapanta, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about a, by the way, you find her online at drdigestionphd.com. That's drdigestion.com. You can also find her on Instagram there. Talking about this new study out of the British Journal of Cancer about how aspirin, low doses of it, can inhibit the spread of metastatic cancer and can reduce the mortality rate would just prolong your life uh, by up to 21%. The article's up at the show.com. Some final thoughts in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Dr. Kaylee Marsh-Zephanta is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We like to re- call her doctor daughter here uh, because that's everybody knows, but uh, it's like dad, I'm a research <laughs> scientist. But, you know, here's you also my daughter and also the mother of soon-to-be-born granddaughter as well. You can't see Natalie on camera, but you can see her at drdigestion.com. Um, obviously, we've talked about the positive sides of this new report from the British Journal of Cancer about how taking an 81 milligram low-dose aspirin like I did this morning um, is definitely for your um, for your benefit. Uh, it, it's slowing the spread of metastatic cancer and, and prolonging the lives of people. But there also are some downsides too. And we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that there have been some studies that show that uh, taking cancer can actually, uh, taking uh, aspirin uh, can actually cause some damage. Talk about some of the side effects, if you would. I mean, I'm sure internal bleeding is a concern for a lot of doctors.
2: Definitely. Yeah, there's always side effects, even if there's, it's, it's really important to consider side effects, especially with taking a medication that's long term. Um, And so with aspirin, internal bleeding is an issue um, because it helps to sort of um, clear things out and reduce inflammation. What that can do um, to help someone with, you know, cancer, even, you know, if someone has blood clots or, or, um, you know, higher blood pressures, it helps to sort of thin out your blood. Um, But of course, that can have adverse effects like internal bleeding if you take too much or if you take it for too long. Um, The other issue, too, is, is the fact that it's metabolized by your liver and your kidney. So if you're taking a medication that your liver and kidney have to break down every single day it's going to be a lot of wear and tear on those organs. And so you want to make sure that you're taking care of those organs because those are very, very important organs to help maintain health as well. Um, So Mm -hmm. you could be, you know, helping to reduce your risk of breast cancer and in the process of doing that, develop an issue with your liver. Um, It's not to say that you automatically will, but it's it's also just – you know, to kind of caution people to say it's it's a low dose of aspirin. You always want to talk to your doctor and and discuss the dosage. You don't want to just go out and buy a bunch of aspirin and take a ton of it every single day because the more that you take, the more strain it's going to be on your body.
0: Right. Take uh, take the advice if your doctor find second opinions as need be, but remember what uh, Doctor Kaylee Zaponte has left us with. Agency. Ultimately, it's your responsibility. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit that God has given to you. You only get one life before you know the, the judgment. So uh, take the best care you can of the body that you have, knowing that we, in spite of all the craziness in the insurance world, we do, I think, have one of the best healthcare systems in the world, and uh, we, oh, we do have options available to us. And, uh, and uh, just as evidenced by the fact that Kaylee and her sister are both uh, expecting on or about the same day, with a couple weeks apart, and have both chosen different routes for for uh, their labor delivery and things of that nature. And both of them, I think, are good options for them. So, I mean, it's it's nice to know that there are options available. And take it from our resident scientist, Dr. Kaylee marsh Sapanta, um, you do have some good options as well. The article is up at thebottomlineshow.com about how aspirin can inhibit metastatic cancer spread and uh, that's good news also the doctor t- tell us what you what's new on your website kate's it been about uh, a couple months since we last talked take the last 60 seconds of our time together and tell our listeners what they'll find once they sign up to get on your mailing list at drdigestion.phd.org
2: yeah yeah well definitely yeah drdigestionphd.com i've got a newsletter um, that i started recently so uh, you can sign up just input your email and i send out all types of you know scientific goodies every week of, you know, new research articles that I'm reading. Um, It's mostly related to digestion in the microbiome, but I'm a physiologist at heart. So I love, you know, just reading about anything that impacts the human body. Um, I also have a podcast on Spotify. Um, Right now there's one episode, but we are growing and I'm excited to, you know, start to add more to that. So if you're looking to dig a little bit deeper into some of these scientific topics, I I dig pretty deep into them and I kind of nerd out on that type of stuff. So if you're interested (laughs) in learning more, um, definitely tune in and subscribe to that as well.
0: We'll have to make that a new uh, monthly feature here on the Bottom Line Show. Nerd out with Dr. Day- uh, Kaylee Marsh But uh, I think I that love that. Why? Have... Okay, it's a date. We'll do it. Uh, the article's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Drdigestionphd.com is the website for Dr. Kaylee Marsh Zapanta, my doctor daughter. Uh, Kaylee, thank you so much for the uh, input today and in helping us kind of sort through some pretty heady statistics. And thanks for being with us today here on the Bottom Line Show. Thanks for having me. I love you. Love you too. <laughs> Well, it's always great to have the wit and wisdom of Dr. Kaylee Marsh Zapanta in on the program and here in the studio. And of course, selfishly, as a dad, I'd like to see my daughter. <laughs> but it's great that we have this these conversations. And trust me, people have asked, well, you guys really have a good rapport. Well, obviously, that's nice to know we're still on speaking terms. But trust me, when we talk about the things we're talking about, like this, uh, this study out of uh, uh, the, the, a myriad of different institutions with literally hundreds of thousands of people in the sci- in the scientific survey about whether or not taking a low-dose aspirin can help you. If you're a cancer patient, you've had cancer surgery, you're using diet and exercise to try to improve your recovery, and you take an aspirin a day, it will stop the spread of metastatic ca- cancer and cancer coming back uh, by about 21%. Now, no one's trying to say it's going to save someone's life. It's going to prolong your earthly life. You know that, and I know that. We only have the number of days the Lord gives us, but isn't it nice to know that there are things we can do to improve the temple of the Holy Spirit and enhance our overall health as well. The article with all the different clicks for the studies is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Tamara put that up for, for us. And then as Kaylee does, every time she's here, she's very generous and uh, her dear old dad is very grateful for that. She's written an ebook on, uh, called Dr. Digestion PhD's Gut Health Guide, Learned Science-Based Tricks and Tips, to improve your digestion and gut health. By the way, if you want to find her online, it's drdigestionphd.com. Drdigestionphd.com. And because she, she's a PhD as opposed to an MD, right? So she's the research side, not the medical testing side, but it all comes together. If you want to buy the ebook, I. No, they would appreciate it. (laughs) She and her husband, Kevin, and little Natalie, who's on the way in April. But if you want a freebie, she did leave some freebies with her dad. So here you go. You got not one, not two, not three, not four, but five opportunities to win a copy of Kaylee Zaponta's Dr. Digestion PhD Gut Health Guide, Learn Science-Based Tricks and Tips to Improve Your Digestion and Gut Health, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Would love to place one of these in your hands or at least give you the link. As we continue, are we so left-minded that we can't be any right-wing good and vice versa and the other thing? Well, you know, it's very interesting. When you look at how the left would maneuver in the public media, They, you might get the opinion that we as Christians are kind of old-school, fuddy-duddy, stick-in-the-mud people. And if you look at a lot of right-leaning issues, then basically you're going to say, okay, well, what's going to happen here if if the left takes over? We don't want that to happen. But one of the places where we see this happening over and over and over again is in public schools. More and more parents are opting for private schools or opting for homeschooling. And yet it's interesting to see that when you talk to parents about what might be considered objectionable material, Uh, being presented in the classroom whether it be regarding same-sex quote-unquote marriage or uh, abortion this that the other thing Um, what do americans really want and here's the interesting notion the beckett fund for religious liberty has released its fifth annual religious freedom index samples a number of american adults in an online survey has a margin of error of three percent which is pretty right up right up straight up and down and they ask respondents, their views on six different dimensions related to religious freedom. What's interesting about this is they don't ask if the people taking the opinion polls are religious. They just ask what you think about religious liberty. On the other side of this break, I want to reveal what the findings in this report say to us as Americans and why we as Christians should never stop the fight for promoting a biblical worldview of looking at life and society, not because it's politically expedient, but quite frankly, because it's written on the hearts of men and women all throughout this country. That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trusts. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain.
3: So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out, so you can see it's definitely not a REIT, or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account, and then while you're on the phone, and ask about our accounts that are pays even higher amounts for funds over 250000
0: Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money Account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial. Simply better alternatives. My thanks again to Dr. Kaylee Marsh Zapanta for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. We've been talking about this powerful new uh, study that was reported in the Epic Times uh, recently, within the last week or so. And it focuses on the use of low doses of aspirin for patients who've had cancer, cancer treatment, and uh, they've discovered that in addition to diet and exercise, and in some cases, uh, radiation and chemo, the number of people who have taken aspirin to to combat the effects of cancer and keep the the current cancer from coming back and stop the spread of other types of cancers is huge. Uh, you could actually 21% reduction in mortality rates. People are living that much longer. There were 19.3 million new cancer cases worldwide in 2020 alone. And in addition to those diagnoses, there were another 10 million people who died of cancer in 2020. Way more than died of COVID. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Anyway, so Dr. Kaylee Marciapanto, my daughter, uh, the researcher, the science geek in the family, um, actually had completed a PhD this past year in uh, gut health and gut microbiomes and how uh, important it is to have good gut health uh, and she used it for Parkinson's disease treatments but she started in her master's program with oncology so I thought she was the perfect expert for us to take a look at this study she gave us some great insights and she left copies of her book Dr. Digestion's Gut Health Guide Learn Science-Based Tricks and Tips to Improve Your Digestion and Gut Health. And we've got not one, not two, not three, not four, but five copies of this book we're giving away today. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, if you'd like a copy of Dr. Digestion's Gut Health Guide by Dr. Kaylee Marsh-Zapanta, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Before the break, we were talking about this brand new survey uh, it was conducted by the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, or also just referred to as Beckett. And they have been conducting a Religious Freedom Index poll for the past five years. They released this poll on National Religious Freedom Day. The poll was actually conducted during the, uh, the fall of, of 2023. And what they do is they, they ask respondents their views on six different rem- dimensions related to religious freedom and that gives them a score on a 100 point scale. Score of zero means there's complete opposition to the principle of religious freedom at issue. A score of 100 is complete support. Now, not everybody who's taking this survey are Christians or Jewish or whatever. So there's a lot of questions with regard to um, the emergence of LGBTQ affirming curriculums, for example. Um, So there are lots of questions about rights and responsibilities of parents and schools when it came to kids having the ability to, and parents being able to opt them out of that kind of instruction. So for example, respondents were asked that they believe, quote, do you agree with the statement parents are the primary educators of their children and should have the final say on what their children are taught in public school? Should parents have the ability to opt children out of curriculum that they find morally objectable? You know, that, those are fair questions to ask. Should schools not be allowed to implement policies requiring students and employees to use a per- person's preferred pronouns? Um, should, uh, do you agree with the statement that schools should encourage children to transition their genders? Let me give you the, 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 raw numbers here on this sample size and see if you think this is a good thing regarding the question about whether or not parents should have the final say on what kids are taught in public school. And should they have the ability to opt their children out of curriculum if they find morally objectable? 67% answered Yes that they exactly agree, or they somewhat agree with that assessment. Only 33% agree with the notion that public schools should have the final say. Now, use that question as kind of a guideline. How many times have you heard teachers recently saying, I've got the master's degree, I've got the education, these parents don't know what they're doing, I should be making the final decision. The school should be making the final decision. Now, I know we have a lot of teachers who listen, and quite frankly, I I would never... insinuate that you're the ones who are saying this but we've heard enough audio we've seen enough video from school board meetings where basically you've got the school board saying look this is what I believe when it comes to whether or not a public school quote should be allowed to implement policies to require students and employees to use a person's preferred gender pronouns if they should not be allowed to or if they should 58% 58% of respondents agree with the notion that the schools should not be allowed to implement those policies. When it comes to allowing schools to encourage children to transition their genders, 76% disagreed. When it came to the issue of should uh, the public school be able to hide information from parents about a child's decision to adopt a new name or new pronouns or begin a gender transition, 90, 79% of those surveyed said no. Overall, the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberties, Religious Freedom Index, the overall score came in at a 69. Now it's on a scale from zero to 100. It's the highest number it's ever been. That is very good news to see, that more and more parents are standing up. But the thing that gets me encouraged about this overall survey is the fact that you're seeing more of these parents show up at school board meetings More parents are running, and grandparents too, are running for office. They're running for city council. They're running for mayor. They're running for school board. They're getting involved locally. I see a lot of pastors who are doing this too. And again, you don't have to be militant and you don't run on a campaign of I'm anti this and I'm anti that. You state your case as to what you stand up for. And guess what? On average, two thirds of the people who are there, whether they're Christians or not, whether they've ever darkened the doorway of a church or a synagogue or even a mosque, two-thirds of the parents, according to this study, almost three-quarters, agree with the statements that we would agree with as Christians. So how about we take the stand? There's still time for you to get involved if you feel the leading to get involved in the election cycle this year. I, If God's tucking at your heart, even ever so slightly, I encourage you to get involved. Pray about it and then get involved. Uh, we'll put this article up with the statistical numbers up at thebottomlineshow.com, by the way. Uh, last call for Dr. Kaylee Marsh book, of which we have five of them uh, Dr. Digestion's Guide to Gut Health. Uh, we've got it's an e book, and every time Kaylee's on the program with us, she leaves us five links. I, I, I don't know how she could afford to do that, but I'm glad she does. 800 227 5278. 800 227 5278. the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. And we've got Rabbi Schneider discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, a terrifying situation in Houston a couple days ago has a lot of people asking questions about what went down at Lakewood Church, Joel Osteen's church, where there was a shooting involving a, a mother and child and one dead and two injured. We'll give you the latest on this coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Martian as we wait with breathless anticipation as to what the Supreme Court's going to do in the Colorado case and Donald Trump's asking for an extension. And now Thursday, there's a big event coming up in in Georgia, the Fulton County DA, whether or not she will be dismissed or recused herself from the case because of her involvement with the criminal prosecutor. It's just there's a whole source of (laughs) crazy things going on in the culture. Um, but we do have good news to share with you. And that is, uh, we've had a couple more donations come in from our friends at Preborn. And I wanna give recognition to those who actually uh, have uh, contacted us and, and made uh, that contribution uh, through our friends at Preborn, either online or on the phone. Uh, Anthony in San Jose came up with a $140 donation over the weekend. Thank you, Anthony, for doing that. Also Luis, or Lewis, rather, in Las Vegas. uh, donation that we're, uh, actually that's $28 a month for an entire year. And then Jerry and Torrance, a $250 donation as well. Thank you uh, guys for calling in or clicking on those donations to Preborn. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229-BABY. Or go online to kbrightradio.com you look for the banner, the preborn banner is part of that little spinning wheel of banners that we have there at kbrightradio.com. Click on it when it comes up, and you can make your donation there. Or uh, you can go to rogermarsh.com. Uh, I've got my website set up. I should say my lovely wife Lisa has set that up for us. And she's the tech guru in our family, no question about it. Anyway, um, we've got it set up so you can click on preborn and make a a contribution there if you just click the Freeborn banner. But here's the good news. Um, Dennis Wilson and our friends at Wilson Financial always step up big this time of year with Freeborn, and this is no exception. Dennis has a $5,000 matching grant in place right now. We have $5,000. That could be one of two things. You're going to determine which way this is going to go. Either it's $5,000 and we match that $5,000, it becomes a $10,000 donation to provide ultrasounds. Divide that by 28. That's how many ultrasounds we do. Or let's use that $5,000 as a catalyst to get a $15,000 total and get one more ultrasound machine into a pre-born clinic right here in town. What say you? So, ask for the Dennis Wilson match. Thank you, Dennis, and the team at Wilson Financial for putting up another $5,000 matching gift. If your business would like to match that $5,000, we would love to hear you and from you and give you full recognition here on the air. 833-850 Baby, 833-850-2229. Though we have had several donors over the years here with Preborn and the Bottom Line Show who have given donations and asked to be named anonymous, just remain just like no one ever knew what was going on. So if that's the way you want to handle it with your business too, you're more than welcome to and we will honor and respect that. Um, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, B-A-B-Y. Or go online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com and you can make your best donation there. Uh, Police in Houston, Texas have in fact identified the shooter who came into the Spanish language services at Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church. Um, The woman involved is Genese Yvonne Moreno, uh, originally from El Salvador, this is a person who has also. If you look at the mugshot, she has kind of a semi-androgynous look. Uh, she's also uh, committed a number of crimes under the name of Jeffrey Escalante Moreno. Um, uh, the the woman in question went into uh, the church uh, on a Sunday afternoon, where, the, like I mentioned, they do their second Span- they do a, a Spanish language service in the afternoon. Uh, had a criminal history, had convictions for assaulting a police officer in tw- 2009, uh, forgery in 2010. Apparently, the seven-year-old child who was accompanying her uh, was was her child. And for a woman of only age th- 36 years of age, it's really tragic to see. What happened? Now there was a preliminary report that indicated was th- that the shooter was transgender. Uh, yesterday afternoon, she was in fact identified as the biological mother of the child, and in fact, a woman. And, and the fact that this is coming, becoming a talking point now in the culture, is uh, it, it can be a sticking point for a lot of people. We had this happen in Colorado with the shooting there, uh, the, sc- the school shooter, and then again in uh, excuse me in Nashville, and then the uh, and then the shooter here where someone who has uh, tried to impersonate one gender while obviously living as the other, but did so as a way of perhaps avoiding criminal prosecution. Uh, There was a preliminary report that uh, there was a, uh, on the AR-15 style rifle, or actually it was an AR-15 in this case. Um, She came in, fired, uh, injured a a 57-year-old man. Uh, the child who accompanied was also, her was also uh, injured in the fray, but she opened fire on police officers who then uh, opened fire on her. Uh, the message, Free Palestine, was written on the rifle, apparently. Um, it's just, it's, it's tragic to see the number of places. As a matter of fact, it's very interesting. If you look back at, um, if you look at the, the, the link we'll put up here from foxnews.com, there are a number of different mug shots of hers that are posted uh, in the story and you could see where, I mean, she's obviously a woman, but uh, tried to commit some of the crimes as a, as a man. The rap sheet for um, uh, Genese Yvonne uh, Moreno uh, goes back to 2005. And it's just it's tragic to see this happen. What's also very interesting to me is that the place where it happened, and we're learning more about uh, her relationship, possibly, with anybody at uh, Lakewood Church. But remember, Lakewood Church is the church of Joel Osteen. A couple weeks ago, my dad was having some health issues. And so I spent the weekend with my parents. And uh, so on Sunday morning, Mom and I uh, did the church at home. And um, the uh, we, we watched a variety of different um ministry programs, we watched CBS this morning, and then we watched uh, Bobby Schuler, local here, and also watched David Jeremiah was on a TV program, but uh, Joel Osteen's program was on. And Joel Osteen is such a great, inspiring motivational speaker, but I don't really, and I, I say this sincerely, I don't necessarily believe that what he's preaching is a biblical Christian message. I believe it's a very inspiring, Bible-based, uplifting talk, but he doesn't really get into the issues of sin and salvation and repentance and things of that nature. So what I find very interesting here is that this happened, and gosh, it's so tragic that this woman felt this out of control, that she felt the need to to, to take this drastic action. But God has been on the move recently, and I have to wonder What is it about what's happening right now that something like this would be brought to the attention of the world? Why would the shooter show up at Lakewood Church? Why would something like this happen there now? Let me offer a hypothesis, if I may. The reason I offer the hypothesis here is if you have a church that is influential They recently just paid off $100 million in debt. I mean, they've been raising money. People have donated to the cause. They took over the old summit in downtown Houston. They've turned it into this massive campus where they've got housing and a variety of other things. They're seemingly doing some really good work as far as I can tell. I don't pay that close attention to it. But if for some reason something like this would happen, you have to ask the question, well, why is it happening here and why is it happening now? I'm not suggesting that God drove this woman here to try to kill somebody and she wound up losing her own life. But I am suggesting that maybe, just maybe, God, if we we believe Romans 8.28 is true, then maybe, just maybe, God is using this opportunity, this moment, this tragedy, as kind of a wake-up call for the folks at Lakewood Church who have been, I mean, lots of churches go through this. I'm not talking about just Lakewood in particular. Right now it's Lakewood because of the shooting. But there are a lot of churches over the years that have preached that good news only, that grace only, that we don't talk about sin and, and, and death and things like that because statistically it has been proven time and time again that if you preach the grace part without the whole truth part of who we are as sinners, just, you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, church attendance goes up. The minute you start talking about the hard stuff, you know, We've seen a big drop-off in some areas of churches where COVID hit and people got sick and people died and all of a sudden, wait, what what do you mean this is happening? Why is this happening? I'm a good person. God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. Why is my parents dead? You know, those types of things. So maybe, just maybe, and I'm gonna leave this at the altar. Lord, I pray that you would use this tragedy at Lakewood Church to help reveal the true gospel to the people who need to hear it. I'm not suggesting that everybody there uh, is, is unrepentant, But if there's another layer of spiritual depth, starting with the leadership, that needs to be presented and proclaimed, I pray, Father, that you would use this event as a catalyst for that. And I pray, Father, as we sit back and want to give in to the temptation to say, hey, we've got all the answers and we've got this all figured out, um, that we would be a bit more empathetic and compassionate toward those who are going through that type of, discovery as well we ask all these things in jesus precious and powerful name amen okay the controversy continues the he gets us campaign i got into all sorts of hot water because um well (laughs) the spots looked so compelling especially the foot washing one but now there's a new controversy but it's not coming from christians who are afraid that this is a little too progressive No, actually, it's people on the left who don't like this ad campaign at all. Why are leftists and progressives, who should be embracing this gospel with open arms, why are they rejecting it now? Well, as soon as you can say Hobby Lobby, I'll be back for this break to explain as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trusts. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain.
3: So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out, so you can see it's definitely not a REIT, or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone, and ask about our accounts that are at even higher amounts for funds over 250000
0: Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money Account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial. Simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. No good deed goes unpunished, and you can't win for losing sometimes. Um, the, the, The Super Bowl was a very interesting event, to say the least. It was actually a record amount of betting, that, were, that was actually cast on this event. Uh, the previous record, uh, Super Bowl 57 in 2023, there was something like $16 billion bet on the Super Bowl. Yes, uh, Sunday's game apparently took in something like $23 billion in bets. And you could bet from whether or not, uh, you know, one of the bets, I kid you not, I'm just reading all this stuff because it's fascinating to me, One of the bets was how long would Reba McIntyre take to sing the national anthem? The over and under was a minute and a half, 90.5 seconds. She actually clocked it at a minute, 35.6. But because of her little brave, brave thing at the end, the odds makers just paid for anybody. So you're welcome. Um, But now let's get into a greater controversy. And that's the He Gets Us ad campaign. The Daily Mail in the UK... Slammed the fact that a so-called Christian group, (coughs) a Christian group, spent twenty billion dollars, twenty million dollars, twenty million dollars on ads that aired during the campaign. Seven million dollars per ad, and I think they had two in the game and one in overtime. Okay, so the sixty-second spot that ran first was the one oh they okay they had a 60 second spot that ran in the first one they had a 15 second spot in the second half that also ran on univision and uh foot washing was the title of the first one uh international fine art photographer julia fullerton batten um took the photos they start with this photo of course of christ washing the disciples feet and they move from there to you know all these different scenarios where people who look like their enemies are all washing each other's feet and then basically the uh, the voiceover, which was done in the form of written word, wrote, the, uh, Jesus didn't come to preach hate. He came to wash feet. And so a lot of Christians said, yeah, I mean, Lisa and I watched it and it was beautiful. It was so beautifully done. And then we got into the, the why behind the what and the how. And you begin to see, as you take a look, if you look at Natasha Crane's writings and other biblical apologists, you say, look, the whole point of the He Gets Us campaign is to humanize Jesus and make him a better human being. And if we could all just be better human beings, the world would be a better place. Abby Johnson from And Then There Were None, the movie Unplanned, had a brilliant six-minute video where she did a little exegesis on the scripture passages that lead us to why Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. She tells the history of what it was like for the Gentile slaves, and uh, you know, how the, every home had uh, you know, a, a slave in it that would do that job. That was the worst of the worst jobs for the slaves. Everybody's walking around through you know Jerusalem and Israel, and they got dirty feet, and it's got cow stuff on it and everything, and you need somebody to wash your feet. And so that was a sign of respect and courtesy but also it was a cleanliness thing for the jews no one's gonna eat food without stuff all over their feet that will be called the last supper the final passover meal the beginning of the new uh the the new commandment the new covenant jesus you know they're looking around he says get me a, a some water and a towel and they do get the water and the towel in the upper room it's somebody else's home but the person who owns the home is not there so Jesus takes on the role of the servant and basically says, Whoever wants to be the greatest in the kingdom will be the servant of all. And he performs the lowliest of the worst of the functions that any servant would ever perform for anybody else, and says, If you want to show the love of Christ in your in your world, you need to be willing to go down and serve that low. That you need nothing should be off limits for you. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's brilliant. But when we see that Jesus is the means of salvation and we follow him, it's really kind of beautiful to see the foot washing happen. However, metaphorically speaking, it doesn't mean as Christians, we run around and just wash anybody's feet and say, God loves you. And the idea that Jesus took on the role of the servant doesn't mean that the greatest thing he ever did in his earthly ministry is to be human. And unfortunately, what a lot of progressives and deconstructionists believe is that, hey, that's right. I mean, he's fully God and fully man, but Jesus didn't teach hate. Well, now, wait a minute. There were some things that Jesus really hated. He hated the mistreatment of women and children. He hated the shedding of innocent blood. He hated to see the Pharisees in the temple overcharging the poor and the needy for the so-called temple tax of the day. There are a lot of things that Jesus hated. So the idea that Jesus didn't teach hate is just another leftist ideological argument that doesn't hold any water. When the left says we want to get rid of hate, we, you know, love is much stronger than hate. Martin Luther King said that. Yeah, but you have to understand that what fuels us to act as godly people is God's natural law that's written in the hearts of people. When Bob Pierce, who founded World Vision, said very famously, let my heart break with the things that break the heart of God. What he was saying was, if something brings God glory and, and puts a smile on his face, basically, that should be the thing that makes me happy too. But if there's something that breaks God's heart, that should break my heart as well. In other words, I hate to see the mistreatment of innocent people. I hate to see people being victimized. So this whole tagline of, you know, Jesus didn't preach hate. He, he washed feet no that's way too simplistic and it completely misses the mark of the ceremony of the foot washing and what that means for the followers of christ well okay so that's my take on it and of course the the he gets us campaign is kind of getting uh, beat up from the left the right hand side of the equation but now they're also getting it from the left as well Remember last year when they ran their spot, it was a love your enemies thing. Politicians yelling at each other, parents fighting a youth football game, that type of thing. Um, this one was supposed to be, uh, you know, kind of an inverse the other way around. Love and unity, this, that. And the other thing, Greg Miller is a spokesperson for the campaign. He told Rolling Stone magazine that the campaign, quote, will emphasize loving our neighbor just like Jesus did, encouraging people to respect and serve one another. Well, they left out that whole divinity of Jesus thing. But here's the problem now. The the problem now is now the left hates the He Gets Us movement too. You figured that the left would because it's teaching of Christ. The, the, the He Gets Us people freely admit that the reason they did the campaign this way is they're trying to reach what they call the Christian skeptic. But that's kind of code for, if you look at all the language they use, they use progressive ideological terminology, which is designed to basically attract the Christian left. But... But guess who is one of the biggest supporters of the He Gets Us campaign? That would be David Green. David Green and his family, the ones who started Hobby Lobby. Yeah, that David Green. The one whose family has an estimated net worth of $15.3 billion. So now... <laughs> Hobby Lobby, you know, who committed the cardinal sin against the left of fighting the uh, Affordable Care Act contraceptive requirement in federal court. And by the way, they, uh, they won. They made it possible for Little Sisters of the Poor, you know, an organization that provides care and uh, medical attention for elderly retired nuns who have no health insurance. And remember that President Obama's administration was so determined to get everybody signed up for the Affordable Care Act that they missed the fact that abortion and abortive care, which was part of the Affordable Care Act, uh, was going to be required to be paid for by the little sisters of the poor who would not need it, ever need it because they were sisters, which means they were nuns, which means they took a vow of chastity, which meant that they would never need abortion, quote unquote, care. <laughs> you just can't win if you're Hobby Lobby. The Washington Post said that the He Gets Us campaign is the most controversial ad of the Super Bowl. The ads were meant to promote the teachings of Jesus and unite different groups of people, but perhaps unsurprisingly, all they've done is foment hostility. The Americans united for separation of church and state. They went after it last year in the He Gets His campaign. They said this is actually a front for Christian nationalism. Oh, my. Um, There's a reason why those claims are kind of outrageous and silly. And to those who would say, well, now, wait a minute, though. They're talking about Jesus. They're doing it in the Super Bowl. It's the largest event of the year, television-wise, worldwide. Why can't we see the good in this? Well, I'll take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the things I appreciate, and I know you do too, about pre-born is the fact that they tell you the truth about where you are in pregnancy. You know, it, it, it it's amazing how the National Institute of Health and the CDC wants to classify pregnancy as a quote-unquote illness, so then they can prescribe quote-unquote treatment medication in the form of an abortion pill to end the abortion. Well, that's crazy. We know, you know and I know, that God creates each of us in the womb of our mothers. And he creates each of us uniquely for a purpose. And 85% of the women who go to pre-born clinics and they don't hear the, the propaganda from the abortion industry that says you, your two choices are either abortion or misery, that there are three options. And the third one involves basically choosing life for the child and releasing that child for adoption. I want to thank a couple of people for their very generous donations to pre-born. Dean in National City made a $1,400 donation. Dave in Lake Forest, a $500 donation. Uh, and also Edward in Norfolk, Nebraska, who listens online with a $48 monthly donation. Uh, go to kbrightradio.com. Click on the preborn banner and make your best donation today. It's completely tax deductible. 100% of your donation goes to ultrasound technology. And we're saving lives and saving babies through preborn. Click on kbrightradio.com. Hit the preborn banner today. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and you knew uh, faith in Christ was going to be a hot button topic politically. But did you think that with a campaign called He Gets Us? which ostensibly was founded by a group of center left-leaning Christians, Uh, a non-profit group called the Servant Foundation, the signatory, started the campaign in 2022. They have since relinquished ownership of it. It's now part of a non-profit group called Come Near. Uh, The CEO of Come Near is a guy called Ken Caldwell, a former executive at Wendy's and Domino's Pizza. And he says, basically, the objective of the campaign is to share the life and love of Jesus in thought-provoking ways. Now it's interesting. This is a, uh, the signatory has made donations to Alliance Defending Freedom, and ADF, of course, fights you know the religious liberty lawsuits and things of that nature. But the end of the day, when you look at the comments from people on the left, they're saying, "Wow, the whole point of the ad, love your neighbor, you know, t- take care of people who are less fortunate, you know, t- let's not let politics or opposing views get in the way." But the problem with doing this is. Jesus did teach us to hate. He taught us to hate sin. He taught us to hate ourselves in the sense that we were the center of the universe. Each of us, I believe, if we're created in the image of God and created by God through Jesus Christ, I I don't call it a God-shaped vacuum, but we have God's natural law written on our hearts. And this is where it gets really confusing for leftists and progressives. and, and My heart breaks for those who are fighting this because they look at this and they have a sense of right and wrong. Ever since Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, mankind has been under that curse. We know the difference between right and wrong. But because we have God's moral code of right and wrong written on our hearts, when we see what happens in the culture, then it's like, well, now wait a minute. These people are saying they wanna do this, but God's moral culture says that that's wrong. So how do I affirm that? well, how can we as Christians utilize the He Gets Us campaign for our advantage in a biblical way? Well, first and foremost, I'd recommend not engaging in the website and the Bible studies of the curriculum, but ask the question, hey, Roger, I understand you're a Christian, and that He Gets Us campaign said Jesus did not preach hate. He washed feet. What do you make of that? You could say, well, what do you mean he didn't preach hate? Hate speech in the culture means people are telling me who is licentious and sinful that what I'm doing is wrong and I don't want to hear it. So since I don't want to hear it, what you're saying is hate speech and if you don't say anything, silence is violence or your words are violence or whatever. But the reality is Jesus hated sin. Jesus hated people being taken advantage of. Jesus, he's very clear. Anyone who brings any ill will to a child Would be better off to have a millstone put around his neck and thrown into the deepest ocean than have to deal with the wrath of god for that one so yes jesus does preach hate but it's a healthy hate it's to hate the things that are awful and detrimental to people and to love the things of god jesus did more than wash feet he washed our souls clean with his blood on the cross your sin can be washed away. The dirt on your feet is going to keep showing up. That's kind of a a metaphor for the day-to-day life of the fact that you will have sin in this world and you will commit sin in this world. But Jesus has overcome the world. And rather than just get a foot washing with water, we get a soul washing with his blood. Use this to your advantage. That is good news. And that's the bottom line.